You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it Money Pit is presented by Pavestone, Schluter, the Angie App, LL Flooring, and Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you take on the projects you'd like to do to create your best home ever. So, as you look around your space, whether it's inside or out, Give us a call with your questions, whether it's a project you'd like to do yourself, one you want to hire a pro, one that you'd love to do yourself if you only knew where to start, or something in between, we would love to give you a hand. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, or you're welcome to post your questions to moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, one of the things that we have loved for many years in our family is our fire pit, because, you know, we've actually, (laughs) we're a little crazy for fire pits. We've used them all year long, Leslie. I mean, that's what they're there for, to keep you cozy. Yeah, go out there and have the fire go and enjoy a glass of wine. And shockingly, that's exactly what we do with it in the summer, too. (laughs) But, I mean, (laughs) whether you like to enjoy it for a glass of wine or just to do some s'mores, it's a good time of year to build one. And you can do it yourself. You really can if you just follow a few basic rules of safety. We're going to walk you through that project in just a bit. And speaking of outdoor projects, if you've got a concrete patio that's perfectly functional, but the dreary look drags you down, well, you can give that space a facelift. We're going to share some easy options for updating your patio. And if you're looking for flooring for a small room, we are going to share a simple trick of the trade that can make small rooms look much, much bigger. It is simple, it is effective, and you will be amazed at the results. But first, we want to hear from you. Most importantly, guys, what are you working on? How can we lend a hand? I mean, it's June. We're like almost in summer. You've got like your toe dipping into summer. So help us help you. Give us a call. Let us know what you're working on, and we'll lend you a hand. A couple of ways to get in touch. You can call us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Leave your question. We will call you back the next time we're in the studio. Or you can post your questions to MoneyPit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Jerry in North Carolina needs some help with driveway repair. What is going on? Well, I've lived in the home I'm currently in for 23 years, and it had just a little pebble driveway when I moved in. About 20 years ago, I had an asphalt driveway put in. And over the years, I've done some of the you know maintenance stuff you're supposed to have done, like slurry seal things. But probably right. I let too much time elapse between that a couple of times. And now I've been told by a professional that it's probably not fixable, but I'll get another few years out of it, but I'll have to replace it with something. So my question is, what's the best, most cost-effective but attractive thing to put in Mm -hmm. place of an asphalt driveway? Right. So the reason that you want to replace the asphalt driveway, is it cracked? It's got lots of tiny cracks, but they're going to get bigger, and it's 
probably going to start crumbling apart in the next few years. Okay, is it is it um, sunken in in any places, or is it just the surface wear and tear and the cracking? Yeah, it's not sunken in, no. All right, well, look, um, if it's not sunken in, that means they must have done a really good job when they put it down the first place because okay. you have no displacement of the driveway base itself. And if you're to tear that up and start from scratch, you know, it's going to be a pretty expensive project. The least okay. expensive way to do this would be to, to add another layer of asphalt on top of it. Now, I'm not talking about just sealing the driver, driveway, but actually putting a thin layer over what you have right now. And that's okay. going to look like a new driveway. And because the base is solid and it's not moving, you know, sometimes we get these calls and, and it's sunken, it's twisted, it's broken, it's because it all settled out. But if it's relatively solid and all you're talking about is just the, the degradation of the surface, another layer of asphalt on top of that might be the hot ticket. It'll be the least expensive way to go. And you'll have what looks like a brand new driveway, you know, in an afternoon, essentially. Well, that sounds awesome because I was, I was thinking I would have to be the one to, tear it apart and get rid of it first and then yeah, have something no. else We can think of other projects for you to do that same weekend if you like, but that's one you don't have to do. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. Um, I will look into having that quoted. And- All right, good. And remember, when you talk to these contractors, a lot of them will try to talk you into a bigger project than you need, but if it's structurally sound, I think that's really all you do need to do. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Noel is joining us with a question about siding. What's going on, Noel? When we built our home, we finished the exterior with the masonite. It's a horizontal lap siding. Yep. Wherever the strips are joined, the expansion and contraction is pretty severe. In fact, I have a couple areas where it expands, or con- I guess it would be contracting at that time. I don't know. <laughs> but it uh, it has a really big gap. And I can even see into the Tyvek. Oh, yeah, it's pulled completely. Yep. Uh huh. Is there something I could do? Is there some sort of a filler that I could put in there to keep that from happening? Well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that you have a hardboard siding. Uh, when I was a home inspector and I would come across the house that would have that material, I used to tell my client, it'll be fine as long as you paint it every day before you go to work because it's yeah. really not a very durable siding product. So, uh, what I what typically happens is it gets um, nailed on almost over nailed. Where if that exterior surface of the of the of the hardboard is pierced, you'll find that water will swell up in there and, and it'll start to get very weak and worn. So uh-huh. you do need to keep it watertight. That's really important. Now with these gaps, you know, look, I think you probably could use a silicone caulk in a place like that that would ex- have good expansion contraction capabilities to try to seal it. I tried that. I, In fact, I went went to the depot and I said, what's your best exterior caulking? And uh, it still would pull apart and separate. How many pieces are we talking about? How many how many of these gaps are we seeing? It's west-facing. And so the, the Arizona sun beats really hard on that side. Probably there's four, four or five areas where the g- gaps are just very noticeable. All right. So here's an idea. And I, this is, uh, I will put this under the category of a hack. And in other words, I just came up with this. <laughs> so it may be, uh, right, it may okay. not be. But I'm thinking that if you were to, if you were to put something over that gap that could expand and contract with the siding, then that might solve it. So what I'm thinking is if you were to take a piece of flashing, say aluminum flashing, and you were to sort of cut it to be a little bit deeper than the siding so that in effect what it would do is you would slide it up under the siding piece above and then over 
that gap. And I would only nail it on one side uh-huh. so that now you have a piece that can ride with the siding gap opening and closing. And if you painted the siding when you were done, so everything was painted the same color, I don't think it would be all that noticeable. And it might, it would definitely give you the weather protection you're looking for. You follow me? Um, I, I kind of follow you, but if I'm going to slide that, that metal, that flashing under, I, I slide it underneath the, the overlap? The piece above, right. So you'd probably take a flat bar, slip it up there. Just You just pry it o- off just a little bit. What about the nails that are holding it right there? What do you mean with the piece that's in already? You need to go up there, you know, half inch. And if you hit a nail, you could just snip the siding right around that if you had oh, to. I or you, you know, or you could okay. cut the nail. Uh, you know, I've taken jobs like that. I'll take a hacksaw and slide it up between the siding and just cut the nail, keeping it flat to the siding so that it's not in my way anymore. And I'll put another one in above it somewhere. But if you get that up in that place and secure it, but you understand what I'm saying? But only hold it on one side because if you right. try to hold it on two sides and it wants to contract, it's going to buckle. We don't want that to happen. We want it to ride right. over that gap. So as the siding okay. expands, it'll pull one way and as it contracts, it pulls the other way. You know, it's, it's similar to what you do with chimney flashing. With chimney flashing, you have flashing and counter flashing, and they're not connected, but one overlaps the other so that the chimney can move separate from the roof. And that's kind of what I'm suggesting here. It's like a counter right, okay. flashing that if you paint everything the same color and you could maybe caulk and lightly nail that piece on, say, one side of it, you could use an adhesive caulk to seal it to the siding and then paint the whole thing. I think it would work well. Okay, I'll try that. That sounds like a good idea. Good luck with that project. Thanks for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you, thank you. Bye. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Krista in Vermont is on the line and is dealing with some very low water pressure. Tell us what's going on. I bought my house about a year ago, and I'm on a shared well with my two other neighbors. And they both have great water pressure, but we have really awful water pressure. Like, it takes three hours for the washing machine to run. Um, We can't use our garden hose. And we've had some plumbers come take a look, and they said that there must be some kind of restriction in the water pipe since the other neighbors... Um, both have really great water pressure. This is not well water. You're on street water? We're, we're on well water. We're on well water. And the well serves all the neighbors? Yeah, it serves the two neighbors that live north of us. Okay. Well, I mean, they're right that there could be a restriction. The restriction could be a valve that's partially closed. It may look open, but maybe it's really closed. It could be um, if you have old pipes. Do you have old pipes there? How old is the house? 
Yeah, it's from '54. Yeah, old old, old yeah, for plumbing is, is like is like you know twenties, thirties, forties when they had steel okay. pipes. So '54 is going to be copper and and decent quality copper. So here's what I would do: I would start testing that water pressure at different points. If you can test it close to where it comes into the house, that'd be the first place to check it. You may have to put, they may have okay. to put it in a, put a tap in the pipe to do that, like an extra little valve um, to do that. But I would start checking it at different points and see if we can kind of narrow down where the restriction is. Okay. You have to do a little detective work here. You're going to find that some point that's restricted could be the main water valve if you've got one. Sometimes well systems don't have those. Right. The valve in our house was just replaced, but I don't know about the valve at our neighbor's house where the wellhead is. And we were also told by one plumber that we could put a water pressure tank in the house to fix it, and then another plumber told us that wouldn't work at all. That's not going to work. You need a you could there's a booster that you could put in, but I would I would start trying to figure out if this is a problem at, at the point where the water comes into the house because that kind of changes the discussion. It's not your plumbing; it's the well system. And I imagine you have some some rights since you're sharing a common well here to to get the same pressure as everybody else. Yeah. And that's okay. going to have to be a discussion you'll have with the people that are involved. Okay. But you got to yeah. figure out what you got. You don't know that yet. And that's the way to do it. Does that make sense? All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, I'm a big hiker. And after a long day on the trail, there's nothing better than relaxing around a campfire. Now, you can have that campfire feeling all year long if you build one in your very own backyard. But don't just build a campfire. We want you to first build a fire pit. It's much safer. Yeah, seriously, you've got to contain the campfire if you want to actually enjoy it and not be terrified. So it's not a very difficult project. And the easiest way to get it done is by using precast outdoor building blocks. So, for example, Pavestone has a brand called Rumblestone. You stack and fit them together super quickly, super easily. They look great. But your first step is to pick an area that's far enough away from any other buildings on your property. If it's too close, your siding can overheat and melt, or the embers from the fire could actually land on something with your house and then start a fire. So the location is super important. Now, once you've landed on the best spot, you need to excavate down a few inches in the shape of the fire pit you're making and then tamp and level that base. I can't tell you how many times in the years I spent as a home inspector that I would find those melted areas of vinyl siding when either a fire pit or a barbecue grill was just a little bit too close to the house. It's a very distinctive pattern. It kind of is like an archway, the way it sort of swells up in the middle, you know, leaves big gaps below. And it's just something you totally have to avoid. It's the distance that radiant heat travels is amazing. So get it well away from your house. Now, once you've got that location picked out, the next part is definitely the most fun part, stacking the blocks. So for a round fire pit that's about, say, 10 inches high and about 45 inches across, you only need two sizes of those rumblestone blocks we're talking about, the mini blocks and the trapezoidal-shaped blocks. And you start by creating a stable-level project area. Then all you need to do is to lay out those trapezoidal and mini blocks in a circle. You alternate each one, and they could even be secured with construction adhesive, so you don't need any mortar. It really couldn't be any easier. Yeah, and three layers of the rumblestone is all you're going to need. Now, for the second and third levels, you want to offset those blocks from the layer beneath it. Then just line the bottom with some sand, and you're ready to fire up the s'mores in no time. Pavestone offers Rumblestone Fire Pit kits with everything you need, starting at just $250, and they're available at the Home Depot. For a complete materials list, instructions, how-to videos, and more, visit pavestone.com. 
Vincent in Delaware is on the line with a plaster issue. Tell us what's cracking up at your money pit. My cousin has has a two-story house. It's all brick. It was built in the 1930s. Uh, Upstairs in the bedroom, there's a crack going from the ceiling to the floor in both outside corners. And there's a crack going from the corner to the center of the room. And in front of the house, the brick is separate, pulling away from the molding on the floor, hmm. about a quarter of an inch. So for houses built in the 1930s, um, that, that kind of cracking is not all that uncommon. Has it always been this way, or do you think this is a more recent development? I think it's been recent because he just, last time I was talking with him, he showed me the house. He says, look, do you have any idea what's causing these cracks? To me, it looks like the walls are separating from the building right. because, especially in the front, between the molding and the outside wall, you get a flashlight, look down there and see the brick. Well, I think if you think it's recent, then you have two options at this point, one of which would be to hire a ASHI-certified professional home inspector, and that's a guy who's a member of the American Society of Home Inspectors. That's really important because those are the guys that are really the pros in the business. The second option might be to hire a structural engineer, which is going to be more expensive, but it's something you'll need if it turns out to be a serious problem because the structural engineer will actually specify the repair. You can have it corrected, and then you can have the engineer certify that it was done correctly. If you think it's active, that's important information, and I would have it looked at by a professional. I wouldn't mess around with a contractor or anybody like that. I would have it looked at by someone who has nothing to gain from giving you repair advice, only diagnostic advice, an expert diagnostic advice to determine what's going on here, okay? Yes, and what was the abbreviation for that home inspector? Yeah, ASHI, A-S-H-I. It stands for American Society of Home Inspectors. If you go to ashi.org, you can put in your zip code and find a list in your area. Okay, thank you very much. Good luck, Vince. Thanks again for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue, AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. 
Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Leslie, you know that I've had the battle of the deer going on here at my oh, money. Oh, yes. Pit. But I also know that you just planted new shrubs recently. And do you still have them? Well, yes and no. So we tore out the Manhattan Euonymus, which was our hedge, because they were getting absolutely decimated. You know, you didn't have to worry about what that plant was called because the deer just would remind you that it was breakfast, lunch, and dinner, literally, <laughs> always chomping at it. So we replaced those with green giant arborvitaes. That was a brilliant move on our part, I have to say, because now I see the deer hoof prints right up against the, the arborvitae, but they don't eat it. The thing is, you have to look for the one that says green giant. So we're feeling pretty emboldened and decided, well, let's try some of the smaller shrubs. So we did that, and we planted yarrow and lavender. Now, those are two strategic choices because the yarrow plant is kind of coarse and rough, and the lavender, of course, has a strong odor to it. Two things that the deer don't like. They don't like the yarrow. They don't like the lavender. And sure enough, right after we planted it, we saw hoof prints all over where we were working. In fact, one of them kind of knocked the plant out because, you know, it was just put in a little bit, but they didn't eat a leaf, not a single part of it, because we chose those plants correctly. So rather than, you know, do what we used to do, which was to mix up some sort of like a deer-proof treatment that we would spray, it always smelled like rotten eggs. It was a lot of work and a big hassle, and if you missed like a cycle, then they just started again. We just chose those plants carefully, and it really came out great. So still feeling like we are one up on the deer at least this year, although it Yeah, but could what change. you don't know, Tom, is they're sitting at your fire pit having a glass of wine when you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, my that's okay. Guess. We'll socialize with them. We love watching them. We just don't like when they feed on our yard. <laughs> now we've got Tracy in Hawaii who needs some help with a sliding door situation. What's going on? The slider door's got like, you know, it's, it's got grit in it. And I had sprayed it with something that was on sale. I don't remember because I got rid of it. But it it's like real, it hardened whatever it was. And it's very hard to, I want to, if I can find something to loosen it. And then what should I use on it that won't harden, you know, when I spray it to make it easy? Well, first of all, what I would do is I would get a really stiff brush and I would try to, I would brush those tracks to try to loosen up all of that uh, gunk that's there and then, you know, get a vacuum to kind of suck it out of there so you can kind of get the loose dirt out, the junk out of there. And then what I would spray it with is white lithium grease. It comes in a can just like uh, WD-40, but it's not. It's a little thicker and stays around longer. And another thing that you can think about doing is if you can take the door out of the tracks... It makes the whole thing easier, but it's a bit of a tricky job because it depends on how your door is built, but generally you can lift it right out of the track. It'll make the whole thing easier to handle. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Good luck with that project, Tracy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Well, if your concrete patio has seen better days, you know, it can really make your outdoor living space look not so great. And then I'm going to say it's going to ruin your summer. So don't let it ruin your summer, guys. This is a great time. And there are a number of ways that you can give that patio a facelift. Definitely. Now, first, if the slab is in good shape, and by that we mean it's not like cracked and broken and like heaved, but one really cool option is to add wooden deck tiles on top of the slab. They are made of ipe, which is a Brazilian wood that's very, very hard. So it's perfect They're for super outdoor. They're pretty, too. Very pretty. So great for outdoor use. Now, they come with sort of a plastic grid system attached to the bottom. This not only holds the panels together, but it also raises them up off the concrete. So this way, air gets below and water can flow through and you're not going to get any kind of mildew issue underneath. And they also just lock together. So you line them up, snap them in place, and you're good to go. Well, that's a great option. But here's another option. You can actually cover the old patio with brick pavers. Now, Pavestone makes one called Milano, and that's designed specifically for this purpose. They're half the thickness of a normal brick paver and can be held in place with construction adhesive. Now you're going to assemble those pavers right on top of the patio and they all fit together so you don't see the concrete at all anymore. And you don't have to worry about any movement in the brick pavers because you've got that solid piece of concrete right underneath. And if you want a really easy option to update the patio, you can simply apply a stone coating to the concrete surface. Uh, for example, Daesh Coatings makes a terrazzo product that looks pretty awesome. It's made from real stone, and it can be applied directly on top of the old concrete, and you'll end up with a slab that looks like terrazzo, except this one's outside your house. So lots of ways to dress up those patios, and gosh, that's a really nice weekend project, right? It won't take too long, and uh, you will have the whole summer to enjoy it. Yeah, those are my favorite projects when like immediately when you're done, you can start enjoying that space, and it really makes that space so much better. Immediate gratification. Nels in Oregon, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I've got a problem with flies. We have three heat pumps in the house, and uh, it takes in the air at the base of the windows, and every year we get flies that come up out of those return ducts. There's electronic filters down there, and I can't imagine where they're coming from. Or Well, they may be nesting in the house, and they're birthing themselves right into existence. And the reason they're probably hanging out around the return ducts is because that's where air gets drawn into the furnace, and they might, this might be part of that that airflow. I can't really diagnose exactly what you need to do to get rid of those, uh, but I, I do know somebody that can. And if you go to the uh, Orkin website, you know our show expert is a guy named Greg Bauman, who I've known for many years. He used to be uh, the expert for the National Pest Management Association. Now he's the director of training for Orkin. They have an expert section on their website, and if you post that question there and maybe even put a photo of the flies, I'm sure that you'll be able to get to the bottom of it very quickly. Great. Okie dokie. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Priscilla in Massachusetts is on the line. And while we all love birdhouses, guess who else likes them? Squirrels. Let's help her keep them out. What can we do for you today? They've chewed away at the holes of it so that they actually have made it, uh, the holes bigger. And because of that, the birds are not going in there because the squirrel can go in there. So I've already tried PVC piping because I figured that's something I can put in there, insert it, and just in the hole and it's not too big, kind of narrow. I mean, most of the solutions for bird feeders or bird houses are, are really in two categories. One, 
they make it rather unpleasant for the squirrel to be able to get up that high with things like cones or plastic bottles or slippery pipes or or ducks or slinkies or things like that that slide around and make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. Or simply move it completely away from where squirrels can get to it. So, for example, if you were to string a wire between two trees and not have overhanging branches above, the squirrels would never be able to get to that birdhouse. Could I have, do you know of something I can insert in the hole, though? Right, but if you insert it in the hole, the squirrels are still going to hang out in that birdhouse, and they might try to chew their, 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 their way in via another area. Right. So that's why I'm saying that I, I would not focus on reinforcing the birdhouse as much as I would focus on moving it to an area that's less, less likely to be attacked by squirrels. Priscilla, thanks so much for calling us at 188 Pit. Well, it used to be that hardwood floors were only available in very narrow widths. Today, however, wide-width, pre-finished hardwood floors are available in five, six, seven, even eight-inch wide planks, and they're more popular than ever, especially because those wide widths can make an even smaller room look super gigantic and really gorgeous. You know, with fewer plank seams interrupting the pattern, wide plank floors create a very open feeling, and that will then make your space feel bigger. Now, a wide plank also offers even more space for the beautiful natural grain pattern of that hardwood to shine. And I think that's super important because depending on what type of hardwood you pick, there's an inherent sort of grain pattern that goes with it. So you really have a lot of options there to create a very beautiful floor that has a lot of movement and a lot of interest in it and again those wide planks will make that space feel so much bigger now you might want some visual movement but you don't want physical movement right you want to install them securely but to do that the national wood flooring association requires that they both be nailed and glued you can't just nail this down you have to nail it and glue it now bostic makes an adhesive that works well for wide plank flooring it's called pro msp And it's a hardwood adhesive with moisture vapor protection. And I got to tell you, that is super important because it helps eliminate the potential warping of those wide boards. And also secures them well so you don't get creaking noises, you don't get the nails loosening up, and you don't get gaps forming between the planks. You can find a large selection of wide plank flooring and the Bostic Pro MSP hardwood adhesive with moisture vapor protection at LL Flooring stores nationwide and online at llflooring.com. Todd in Utah is on the line and is looking for some help in insulating the garage. Tell us about it. Well, what I've got is I've got a, a garage that I work out of, and I like to do woodworking and, uh, you know, just all around playing around with whatever I, project I have. But it gets cold here in Utah. And uh, I like using my rafters to put, you know, boards and extra uh, equipment, pontoon boats, you know, a little bit of everything out there. But I want to be able to inflate it to save a little bit of the heat so it's bearable in the winter. And I was hoping that there would be a way to maybe uh, spray the upper inside of that with a spray foam or a spray insulation. Or what do you suggest to be the best without having to sheetrock? and lose all that space. Well, you certainly could use spray foam insulation. In fact, I've personally used isonine insulation in my haddock, and we did just that. We sprayed in between the rafters with the insulation, then we coated it with a thermal barrier. And with eight inches of isonine insulation, we're able to pick up R30, which is a substantial amount of insulation. So you could hire a local dealer to add spray foam insulation to the underside of those rafters and seal that in nice uh, and warm. And it also will, will seal drafts, which is the other benefit of spray foam insulation. 
Um, but remember, you're also going to have to add some heat. Once you keep that that uh, that that area insulated, you're going to have to add some heat. It just insulating itself is not going to make it warm enough. Okay. And then I would expect the weakest link in the house would be around the garage. Right. So you're going to at least have to do some significant weather stripping to try to keep those drafts down. That's exactly what I want to do. I just I like to use my time and being retired. Yeah. I don't want to look out the window during the winter. I'd rather be doing something. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like that's your man cave. Yeah, it is right now. <laughs> All, All right. right. Hey, well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Andrew in Wisconsin says, There are cracks in the basement floor of my 1994 house with white powder by them. What's causing this and what can I do to correct it? So a basement floor, first off, Andrew, is the structural integrity of the basement floor is not like the same as like the walls that are holding up your house, right? It's just a slab, the same as like your garage slab, your driveway slab, your sidewalks. And often if they're put in in too large of a section without the proper expansion joints or places where the slabs can kind of do their thing, which is move a little bit, you will get cracks. So I wouldn't worry so much about the cracks. What you're seeing, if you have white powder, that is going to be mineral salt deposits. So you might be thinking, well, how do those get on my concrete floor? Glad you asked that. The way it happens is if you have damp soil around the foundation of your house, maybe your gutters are clogged, maybe your grading is a little bit off, so water's collecting at the foundation perimeter, all those sources of moisture will push moisture down underneath the foundation wall and into the area under the slab, and it will draw back up. And as it does in that slab, the slab is very absorptive. It's very hydroscopic. When it hits the air, it dries out, but it leaves behind the mineral salts that were in that soil, in that water. And that's the white powder that you're seeing. And you can prove it to yourself with a little trick. Just take some white vinegar and wipe it down. You'll see it'll dissolve and go away and you'll be back to just seeing the crack. Now, you could seal the crack perhaps with a silicone or other concrete sealant product. But if your concrete is is showing that kind of absorption, what I would suggest you do is use an epoxy coating mix. It's a two-part epoxy product. It goes down on the floor. You can add some color chips in there. It'll seal in nice and look great, and you won't be seeing that white dust anymore. All right. Hope that helps you, Andrew. It's not such a big deal, right? All right. Now we've got one from Becca who's asking, what's the best type of stain or paint for a wooden deck that's around a swimming pool? So, Leslie, I'm thinking it really doesn't matter that it's around a swimming pool. I mean, the best stain is the best stain, right? So you want to use a really good quality stain here, and you want to make sure the wood is properly prepped to to take that stain. So I would clean the deck first. You can use a pressure washer for that. And once you do that, though, you want to give it a few days and sunny weather to make sure it's really dry before you apply the stain. Now, when it comes to applying the stain, you will have choices. You can buy stain that's transparent, semi-transparent, or solid color. Now, forget the transparent. That's not going to have any color in it, and I'm sure you're not going to like what you see below because it'll just get darker. Semi-transparent and solid color, the difference is how much pigment's in there. And if you buy the solid color, I think that's the best choice because more pigment means it's going to last a long time, but it doesn't look like paint. It doesn't have kind of a sheen. You still see the grain through it, but you definitely get durability. And I would use a good brand. And by that, I mean a Benjamin Moore, a Sherwin-Williams, that sort of thing, because it's so worth paying a little bit more for that stain because you know it's going to last. You won't be doing this again for several years. Yeah, and I think that's the key. Since it's such a big project, you want to do it once and make it last for a long time. So definitely listen to Tom, get a good quality stain, and pick out a fun color. Why not have some fun with the pool? 
This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thanks so much, guys, for taking this part of this almost officially summer day to spend a little time with us. We hope that we have given you some tips and ideas to spur on some projects that you're planning on taking on. If you've got some questions, maybe you've got some suggestions for something you'd like to hear us cover, please reach out to us 24-7. You can always call it in at 888-MONEYPIT or post your questions, your comments to Pit. Com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.